Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e-commerce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the second series of the e-commerce growth show. Right now, I'm in my five-year-old Joel's bedroom, surrounded by dinosaurs and Lego. So do excuse me if you hear a child shouting, but hopefully it'll be okay because the boys are in tablet time at the moment. So they are in their strict hour a day, bit of fun around homeschooling, which is obviously going incredibly well. Anyway, as you can tell, we are still well and truly in lockdown. So thought we'd get together with some awesome thought leaders in our space to share their experience with our community. So without further ado, I have the absolute pleasure of announcing my first guest, Michael Boyle. Michael describes himself as a modern marketer, and he is the owner of a boutique marketing agency called The Modernity Group, based in Manchester. Michael loves to talk about the industry, and when he isn't building brands, he can be found on the industry speaker circuit or as a guest lecturer for Manchester Metropolitan University Business School. With over 10 years of marketing experience, Michael has worked his way up the ranks alongside the boom of online retail, starting as a marketing intern at L'Oreal in their then named New Media Department, a role he secured by winning a nationwide competition organized by the cosmetics company to rebrand one of their shampoo brands. And he has since worked in marketing roles for a list of iconic brands like Selfridges, Jack Wills, and Louis Vuitton. I said that right. For the past three years, he has he was heading up the marketing department of a fashion startup, which he helped turn into a highly profitable multi-million pound business before finally launching his own agency last year, as I mentioned, the Modernity Group. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Phil. Thanks for that introduction. You know, no I've had to overcome a lot of internal fear and yeah. definitely face my inner saboteur to start my own company, the Modernity Group. Absolutely. But I'm glad to say we're almost at the end of our first year and so far so good. And wow. even with the current circumstances, mm -hmm. business is doing really well. And mm -hmm. obviously it's a pleasure to speak to you and Segmentify. Absolutely. I always do hold people in very high esteem actually that have managed to take that step and build their own business. Um, I've not ever really found something that I could really kind of believe in enough to do it so when I see people who have done it and made it successful I'm like wow it's such a cool thing to do so I'm really really happy for you and it's going great actually um just remind me of uh, the first time we met was uh, just after Digital City and uh, this is kind of a bit left field from what we're just talking about but um I remember we were sitting around the uh, curry table after Digital City just before uh, lockdown kicked in and uh, we were talking about uh, well loads of interesting subjects actually but one of them was all about alcohol and obviously like i'm an old man now so i'm kind of sitting there saying how come you're not like getting really drunk right now after i've had like i don't know how many how many gin and gin and tonics i'd had and you're like no no you know we don't need to drink that you know we were sort of like educating me on the next generation of uh of um, millennials and so on that uh, really frankly don't you know get the same kicks as as we as we old men did um all those years ago so you'll be really happy to hear michael that um i kind of I percolated that 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 conversation we had, and and I and I don't drink quite as much anymore, which is uh, kind of cool. So thanks for that. 
<laughs> You're welcome. I yeah, think millennials you. in comparison are probably quite boring, but <laughs> my uh, drink of choice is definitely anything with caffeine. I'm a coffee addict. So, yeah. but it yeah, would look really? quite odd to uh, order a coffee, yeah. I think, in a bar. <laughs> yeah. Have you, are you one of these people that has like a really, really um, kind of like really um, a taste, specific taste in the coffee beans that you like? Does no, it go that far? It could okay. be any form of coffee as long as it was caffeine. I'm not yeah. precious about it, okay. but I definitely get through around six or seven cups a day. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm a nightmare like that. It's funny, actually. I'd, um, my um, my mum's kind of partner, um, he, his name is Nigel, and uh, <clears throat> he came up to me in the kitchen and he said, um, hey, Phil, Phil, can I have a coffee? And I was like, I was like, yeah, actually, I've got some really nice fields of coffee. Would you like that? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I want the real McCoy. And I was like, what's the real McCoy? The granules. I was like, oh, right. Okay. So here's a man who uh, knows his coffee, clearly. <laughs> kind of made me laugh. <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, um, so I was just going to say, you um, you mentioned um, that your favourite film was Joy. Uh, I, I must admit, I've never seen that, so I'm quite interested to know why. Why is that? <laughs> it's probably the worst film I could have chosen. But if yeah. anyone needs any inspiration, um, get watching Joy. It's a true rags to riches film about a struggling entrepreneur, and it's inspired by a real life person, Joy Mangano. Or Manjano, mm -hmm. however you say her name, I'm not quite sure. But basically, despite facing several hardships, uh, this divorced mother of two rises against all odds and sets up a successful business empire by inventing a mm -hmm. self-ringing mop. And she literally sells millions of mops on QVC. And yeah, it sounds awful, but I found it really inspiring. And maybe your listeners will too. Although yeah. I'm kind of just giving away the ending. So, whoops. Oh, well. Well, so and you also mentioned you're quite political, right? Yes, I am. I'm in the process of forming my own party, and not many people know this, but I actually wow. ran in the last general election. Um, oh, wow. I didn't win, but a few people yeah. voted for me, and yeah. my ideology is to have no ideology. But we'll save that conversation for another time. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe it's another episode, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's also very expensive, um, but I would, though, love the task of being involved in rebranding the Labour Party. I think with the right agency, maybe even the Modernity Group, they could bounce yeah. back. Just look at well, what, you know, Saatchi and Saatchi ad campaigns did for Thatcher and the Conservatives in the 1980s. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe they're listening. You never know, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Are you out there? Um, so... <laughs> So your other passion you mentioned about um, tech adoption in, in, in a previous conversation was within the porn industry. Um, I mean, it's a bit of digression kind of from Thatcher, but what is that about? Yeah, can we talk about XXX adult themes on this podcast? Well, I mean, yeah, within reason, right? <laughs> okay, so because porn is a taboo subject, it never really right. gets the credit it deserves. Porn... Sure is responsible for driving technology adoption and has been the catalyst that has launched technology forward. If it wasn't for demand for erotic content in the 90s, we probably mm -hmm. wouldn't have online payments or a faster internet speed infrastructure. And, wow. you know, we're all using Zoom now, but long mm -hmm. before Zoom, 
webcams and video chats were initially used by adult sites. And it's also no coincidence mm-hmm. mobile screens got larger when mobile porn became available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they really are the innovators within technology, especially online technology. Yeah. And what's happening today with Bitcoin is very mm-hmm. interesting, especially mm-hmm. around online payments. Adult sites pay considerably more in fees and workaround costs to process payments than most industries. And mm-hmm. credit card companies and banks consider porn a high-risk sector. It's rife yeah. with dispute, well, disputed mm-hmm. transactions. Yeah. And recently, PayPal removed the right of adult entertainers on their platform mm-hmm. among many major banks. So um, payment providers and financial companies didn't want to work with these people. So mm-hmm. as a result, cryptocurrencies are being used as a solution for artists in the industry due to mm-hmm. the absence of restrictions on their use. And there's also very low transaction costs. And it also helps reduce fraud. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. it could be the start of mass adoption within the cryptocurrency market overall, especially mm-hmm. as Pornhub and the likes have mm-hmm. billions of views. I think Pornhub mm-hmm. had 42 billion visits in 2019. And we know working in the retail industry that fraud and chargebacks are a costly problem. And Mm. it might make sense for the retail industry to follow suit. Well, I certainly Mm. think so. Um, And I also think, you know, Mm. let's stop being shy or snobby when it comes to speaking about the porn industry. Mm. Um, I find find it quite fascinating. And Mm. the guys at the modernity group do too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is very interesting. I mean, it is one of those things, isn't it, where it's this kind of underground thing that nobody would say, hey, you know, I visit Pornhub or whatever. But overall, obviously, we do because there are billions of, of there's billions of traffic um, to those sites. So in a practical sense, taking away the ethical side of it or any other views anyone might have, clearly, it sounds to me like what you're saying. There's an awful lot to be learned from that sector because of the challenges that they have would be so much more rife, if you like, than in others. So that's interesting. It's an interesting point. Um, so just moving on from that, what um, what does it take, if we kind of put an overall theme to this podcast, what does it take to be a kind of a modern marketer? What does that kind of mean? Sure. So... This is where I need to be careful with using big words because I always get polyamorous and polymath mixed up. But I think the modern marketeer and myself being a modern marketeer needs to be an individual whose knowledge spans a number of different subjects. And also just for the record, I am monogamous. But um, Mm -hmm. I think beyond 2020, successful people, especially in marketing, will be the Renaissance men and the Renaissance women people with many talents and people that don't just have a specialism within say SEO today Mm -hmm. and in the future, you've really got to be able to do everything from CRM, paid social, PPC, UX. You've got to be able to edit videos, shoot a campaign, literally everything. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it is doable. And Mm -hmm. having fingers in all different pies allows you to, see the bigger picture of any business because at the end of the day all those areas will be connected anyway so mm-hmm. having that 360 view will be really beneficial also 
I was reading an article mm-hmm. in the Financial Times from Mary Portis, and I'm a huge fan of Mary Portis, and she was saying yeah. average is over, mediocrity is out the window, um, mm-hmm. the bland, the dull, the middle of the road, forget it. You've got to know that being good enough will never be good enough. And mm-hmm. in this industry, you can always sell more. You can always take more market share from your competitors. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the modern marketeers are people like me and the people I hire at the modernity group. We're mm-hmm. always keeping up with the pace of change because we know that, you know, there's always new technology and the technology is mm-hmm. accelerating at a pace uh, mm-hmm. which is always increasing. And we also want to be able to see the bigger picture, not just within the marketing department, but within the wider business, the wider industry, and then how that Mm. applies to trends we see in everyday life and popular culture. Yeah, no, that's very, very interesting. And um, obviously, it's probably opportune timing to be talking about, you know, retail, particularly offline, offline retail during this very, very tricky season that we're all trying to sort of navigate through. I mean, what do you think about that then in terms of companies like Debenhams or, you know, Warehouse or Oasis, these kind of companies that are really, really struggling now? What do you, do you think it's too late for them? I think it's a shame to see businesses go under, especially when people are losing their jobs. But we have seen it is possible to bring a company back from the brink. Mm. Pre-COVID-19, New Looks mm-hmm. turnaround continue to bear fruit as they pushed on with a wide-reaching CVA scheme. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that included a restructure and hundreds of job cuts from downsizing their store estate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, they also got in place the right capital structure. They had a sizable change in their marketing strategy and a significant mm-hmm. degree of reinvention. So mm-hmm. if you apply those to Debenhams, I mm-hmm. think it could be mm-hmm. saved. And yeah. I would love to get involved in those conversations happening right now. Mm-hmm. But also companies that rely on Debenhams. So, you know, you've got the Estee Lauder, Estee Lauder company that has um, a dozen brands that they sell on the shop floor in Debenhams. You know, these concessions, what will they do yeah. if Debenhams goes bust? And I mm-hmm. think we'll find that they'll be spending more online because they will lose that floor space. Um, I think also something else that really caught my attention and was quite surprising was Mm. Aldi. So Mm -hmm. they have a large portion of their grocery range that isn't available to purchase online. And Aldi has only recently launched a food home delivery service. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was a result of the coronavirus, but they were only offering pre-packed hampers. So, yeah. you know, I started my career in 2007, 2008, when the financial crisis happened. And what we saw then was, you know, consumers mm. set stricter priorities, they reduce their spending, and they become cost-conscious shoppers, meaning chains like Iceland, Aldi and Lidl report mm. Well, they reported record sales in the previous downturn. So, you know, they managed to get that market share to the detriment of Waitrose and M&S. So Aldi are really missing a golden opportunity here. Um, Obviously, it's not too late. Um, Maybe the success of their prepackaged hampers will drive them forward with getting more of their groceries online. Um, Plus, they do great steaks. I don't know whether you know that, but... 
I don't, but I'm going to check them out now. That's uh, that is really good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you um, you also work with a lot of fast fashion brands. Um, how do you see the fashion industry changing in the next year or two? Yeah, that's a great question. But I think it's all about finding the balance between the art and science of marketing. You know, mm-hmm. utilizing your business data but also having a great product, uh, having yeah. a great creative team, a great user experience, and a great customer service team. Uh, one quote often used in Selfridges was, if you have to discount, you're not being creative enough. So yeah. if you're a heavy discounter, uh, you need to look at your creative direction and product offering. You know, is it creative enough? Mm. Um what else could I say? Well, we all want to be selling our stock at full price yeah, uh, because it's better for business. Mm. And I think that's where something like personalization and CRM also comes into it. So segmenting yeah. your customers, you don't have to offer a flat percentage off to your whole customer base. Uh, you can mm-hmm. segment them into little pots. So you could have Uh, part of customers that have signed up to your email but have never purchased, people Mm -hmm. who have purchased once but haven't purchased for a second time, people who have purchased but have lapsed and haven't shopped with you for three or six months. Mm -hmm. So I think that will also definitely come to the forefront. And personalization has been the holy grail for many marketers for years, especially Mm -hmm. if you have a large inventory of products a platform like yeah. Segmentify makes personalized product recommendations according to unique preferences. And, yeah. you know, when you have 100 visitors come to your website and only two of them buy, what happens mm-hmm. to the other 98 people who visited? You know, yeah. try and convert them. Mm-hmm. And as good as machine learning is uh, and technology is advancing, apply that with you know, some old school techniques that really work. So we've been doing a lot of testing on direct mail, which seems like quite an old fashioned way of marketing to people. But in a way, it's kind of gone full circle. And people, especially millennials or younger, don't Mm -hmm. expect to receive a lot of stuff in the mail. So they're 100% going to pick it up and look at it. So also delve into the customer's subconscious. I I was recently reading about the use of psychology in the madman era of advertising. And, you know, throughout the 1950s, advertising agencies relied upon psychologists and other behavioral experts to help construct their ad campaigns. And today, ad agency psychologists have become victims of budgetary constraints. But it inspired us at the Modernity Group to look at how our clients mm-hmm. could improve and use winning psychological principles to connect mm-hmm. and enhance the customer experience in 2020. So, mm-hmm. you know, need to complete, uh, rewards, scarcity, social proof, reciprocity. Yeah. And if any of your listeners require a view of your marketing communications across websites and marketing mm-hmm. channels, you know, we at the Modernity Group can advise on how to best use those psychological principles and also A-B test the results, mm-hmm. as well as recommend, you know, machine learning personalization tools like Segmentify. Yeah. 
Absolutely. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in, in, in that chat there. I mean, certainly from a psychological perspective, I think, yeah, having been in sales, I mean, I'll be open and honest here, you know, been in sales for so many years and you realize actually it's, it's so important to understand the human mind when you are um, talking about a solution. You know, you've got to balance the, the, the pressure of the fact that you may, you know, quite often be having to sort of deal with the pressure of hitting a number with, you know, creating the correct solution for the brand that you're talking to and then working with the people in a respectful, honorable way you know, throughout the sales process for them to evaluate it properly and so on. And so I'm very, I'm a massive advocate of the psychology of it as well, because I think you've got to get that right. You, and, and ultimately for me, my value system is that you have to honor and respect people. And I know you feel similarly that, you know, you've got to hold those two together, that you want business, you also want to help, but ultimately mm-hmm. you have to put the mind of the client first and foremost, because right now, for example, we're in the middle of COVID. And, you know, we're talking segmentify, there's some massive decisions we have to make in terms of making sure that we look after our staff, making sure we look after our clients, and that we like act appropriately, as we are now talking, uh, you know, about uh, bringing some value into the community, that's not attached to trying to sort of bat somebody over the head trying to sell your solution, you know. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that side of things, for sure. Um, yeah. and it's interesting, you mentioned about the male thing, because that's just so... That's so interesting now that I, I agree with you going full circle because now, 10 years later, say, I hardly get any mail. But if you rewind back five, 10 years, I had mail coming through like left, right, and center to the point where I was just picking it all up and throwing it straight in the bin. So yeah. now, Michelle, actually, my other half, she'll get a Bowdoin catalog, a small, neat little handbook type style catalog through the door. Um, and she'll pick it up and she'll keep it on the side. You know? Yeah. That's like one thing that came through that of the fact there's nothing highly coming through now that goes on a, on the table you know so that's that's an interesting thing um and well um, bowden i i think are smashing it in terms right, of their sales right and we actually ran some tests mm-hmm. we a b tested sending customers direct mm-hmm. mail versus not sending them direct mail yeah and the people that received the it was literally a leaflet through the mail. Mm-hmm. They were forty percent more likely to yeah. convert and purchase than people who didn't receive it. Yeah, that so, which is mind blowing. Yeah, it does. do you know what though? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what's Michelle doing? She sat down in the evening. There's nothing on telly. She's got a coffee or a glass of wine. It's sat on the side. Oh, I know. I'll have a look through. And so I expect there's so many more elements of trying to build trust and loyalty with that brand than if you are flashing onto a website you know, for the need of something and you may or may not find it in that split second. How else do you find ways to build, you know, um, advocates and, and loyalty, you know, amongst your your customers? So it kind of makes complete sense. And one, one other thing, actually, just it's slightly left field to what you're saying, but same kind of principle that what, one of the things Segmentify offers, as you know, is push notification. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about the fact that, you know, a lot of percentage of people will come to your website and then kind of disappear and they're not logged in or anything like that. And so what we found at, um, at Segmentify was that by bringing in the push technology, the push notification technology for a brand, is that you can actually um, reach those people effectively. I mean, obviously, they have to, um, they have to allow you, you know, to send them notifications from the browser, but it's becoming something that is happening, like they're allowing it more and more. And as, as soon as that happens, you literally have a gateway to market in a clever way in a one-to-one personalized way to those users that you don't even know. And what we found over the over the last sort of five years that we've been in the UK, well, in business, I mean, as in when Segmentify came 
into being, um, is that that has consistently driven about 1% of extra revenue as a brand new revenue stream to every single one of the retailers that we have that, that uses it. And um, so I thought that was quite interesting um, how that's added value um, as a brand new revenue stream, because these are people that, as you said earlier, are, are ordinarily coming to your website and disappearing it. You never get them. Yeah. Well, I love those incremental gains. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you heard about the British racing team. I think, I can't yeah. remember which cyclist it was, but, you know, winning the Tour de France, you yeah. have to chip off those yeah. 1% of weight of the uh, yeah. cyclist uh, increase uh, or decrease the weight of the bike by 1%. And yeah. all these yeah. 1% add up to oh, right. quite a significant number. So yeah, it was funny. I completely get it. Because I, I, that, that's a, obviously, you know, it's David Ralsford, isn't it? Or something like that his name is but that's the one yeah, yeah dave but um he, obviously he was everywhere it blew up like almost viral but i i love the bit that he talked about i had i was running a sales meeting a few years back and i and i used it and i showed the video where he was saying that they actually one of the marginal gains they get is the amount of sleep that the cyclists get before the races and the marginal gain that they went to the extremes they went to is so amazing they actually ship their beds um in their like trucks and stuff in their lorries and that when they're doing their tours and they sleep in their own beds because it's been proven scientifically they get a better night's sleep than if they're on obviously some other bed. That I thought, thought that was really funny. They went to such That is mind blowing. Personally know, though, I, mean I can just sleep anywhere. I'm not precious about pillows <laughs> or mattresses. Yeah. I just yeah. Yeah. straight to sleep. Yeah, I just yeah, I just thought it was really funny. But I'm I'm a big advocate of marginal gains and again through these times, um, particularly I think, you know, it means that you have to be even more driven and focused, you know, as a brand, as salespeople, as running agencies and consultancies or whatever, to really, you know, dig deep and go the extra mile. Um, and I think that really yeah. does separate you, doesn't it? You know. Well, it is a competition, you know, you need yeah. to compete to get that market share, yeah, to get absolutely. that sale, because if you don't, someone else will. Totally, man. Well, listen, what about um, any other marketing channels that are working well at the moment? Uh, well, without doubt, I would mm -hmm. say, especially if you've got a clothing product, get mm -hmm. on Google Shopping. Mm -hmm. If you're not on Google Shopping already, get on there now. Mm -hmm. um, for my fashion clients, especially over the years, I've had the yeah. strongest return on ad spend on these Google Shopping ads right. compared to the usual search ads. Um, so shopping ads, if you don't know, are the ones positioned at the very top of Google that they're yeah. even positioned above search ads and organic links. Yeah. Is that the one with the square, show... yeah. the one with the squares and the pictures are in them and stuff? Is that right? Yes. That one, the yeah. ones that show the product image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're more impactful. They're more visual. Oh, definitely. Which makes yeah. sense 100%. if you're selling a product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Google shopping ads though, they do require a product feed and approval via your Google merchant center. But again, if any of your listeners need any help, mm -hmm. get in touch with me at the Bedurdity Group and mm -hmm. we'll sort you out and get you on Google Shopping. Sounds fantastic. And actually on that note, it's quite good to um, just ask you really. I mean, tell us a little bit about how um, guys can get in touch with you, Michael. Yeah, just drop me an email at michael at themodernitygroup.com. Mm -hmm. So that's Michael, A-E-L, not E-A-L. Everyone makes that mistake. Um, so yeah. Michael at themodernitygroup.com dot com brilliant and just to finish off really um i'm really keen to ask you on behalf of our listeners um anything else you want to sort of tell us about in terms of why it would be particularly important to talk to you at the moment and 
you know, what would make you different, do you think, from the rest? Talking about it being, let's be real here, you know, a competition. Sure. Well, in the aftermath of the 2007-2008 recession, Mm -hmm. ad spend dropped 4% in the UK. But during this time, digital ad spend actually increased 17% at the expense of traditional channels like print media. Mm-hmm. So I think we will definitely see something similar post-COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But no two downturn turns are exactly alike. No. Um, but I think brands and especially marketing directors mm-hmm. will continue to call, even more so now, mm-hmm. for efficient, measurable media and results yeah definitely and that's something that only digital channels can truly offer Mm. and you know i started my career in the financial recession in 2007 and it was a time where we saw accelerated polarization um Mm. and what i mean by that is the middle market and middle market brands Mm -hmm. will be under even more pressure or could even shrink or go bust um as people you know, tend to choose either cheap, like the Primark end or luxury. Mm-hmm. So you've got your high-end designer Selfridges. Yeah. And, you know, those products in the middle are really going to have to work extra hard, mm. harder than they've ever worked before. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, myself and the guys at the Modernity Group, we mm-hmm. can help you build that strong brand reputation. Yeah. yeah. You know, organic reach across social platform has been in decline. since the social media giants became publicly listed companies. Mm -hmm. So social media is now a pay-to-play game, Mm -hmm. and I can help you manage your budgets and your paid Mm -hmm. social strategy Mm -hmm. effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think also just we're able to help you connect deeply with your consumers. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to connect and Mm -hmm. over-deliver on that customer experience and the customer expectations. Mm -hmm. So we can help elevate your team's digital capabilities. We can upskill knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can add context across the marketing mix to help build a deeper mm-hmm. relationship with your customers, especially using CRM, mm-hmm. data, and personalization, mm-hmm. and all those best practices mm-hmm. within those uh, fields. Mm-hmm. And you know, we understand entrepreneurs and how mm-hmm. hard entrepreneurs have to work mm-hmm. to you know, just get those sales. And yeah. we want to help muster that entrepreneurial resilience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, money is obviously oxygen within a business. And yeah. depending on what happens with government bailouts and mm-hmm. what banks are going to be doing in terms of loans, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be able to know that for every pound you're spending, you're making at least five six seven pound back um and we call that a return on ad spend and you know so many brands are wasting money on the wrong marketing channels right so you know money and budgets Mm. i would say where you're allocating that is really going to be important yeah um and i can help you allocate that marketing spend using attribution models that Mm. generate a profitable return Mm -hmm. And having worked in-house for over 10 years, Mm -hmm. I know also what clients want from an agency. They want ideas Mm -hmm. and they want context around the data. You know, 
when I was in-house as a marketing director, all I would get from my agencies was basically a data dump with no context. Mm. And they would only kind of react when you ask them for something. Yeah. So I, I've been through it. I've experienced that. So mm-hmm. because I've worked in-house and I've now started my own agency, I know exactly mm-hmm. what marketing directors want. Yeah. And we're always coming up with new ideas. We're always wanting to test things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, we, well, I understand the pressure of what it is to be a marketer today. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we also want to try new things and take risks. Yeah. And I think, especially with the current circumstances, brands yeah. and business owners are going to have to get out of their comfort zone and yeah. try some really yeah. creative, risky projects. 100%. But obviously with a calculated risk behind yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I completely um, agree. I mean, like just looking at, my from, from my world in, looking at what you're talking about, I mean, both of us, like so Bentify's big in sort of fashion and, and you're big in fashion. And that that for me strikes me even harder and harder now with, you know, the likes of the Amazon giant and and a few massive players out there like your Boohoo's and ASOS and so on that are like scooping up massive parts of the market. I mean, everything you've just said to me about those getting much, much deeper with how you, you know, carve out that niche for that brand is got to be absolutely critical, right? Definitely. But it's definitely possible to take on yeah, these yeah, giants. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Just with the right team and the right people. Mm. Mm. Um, and I guess on a final note from me, it's just never underestimate the power of a positive mental attitude. Oh, and, you know, I have plenty of that. And the guys mm. that the modernity group, um, we definitely have a positive outlook on Absolutely. how we can help brands. And yeah. amongst all the doom and gloom, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. an endless amount of opportunity out there. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got to keep, you've got to keep strong during times like this more than ever. Um, I mean, talking about your psychology a bit earlier on, I mean, you just have to make sure you've got whatever, whatever floats your boat, right. In terms of religion or positive mm-hmm. mental attitude or whatever it is, you've, you've got to have that in terms of keeping yourself, your well being intact so that you can get the best out of, out of this season and every season, every day. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, no, it sounds, that was really, really interesting. Um, I, I learned quite a bit, you know, um, I, I particularly actually, you, it just dawned on me what you were saying about um, the whole kind of returning to snail mail type vibe. That's very interesting for me. I think that's actually a very interesting concept that actually is probably going full circle. Um, and uh, I hadn't thought about that before, but just dawning on what Michelle does with a couple of bits that come through the door there. And if they're nicely done, they work really, really well. So that was very interesting. Um, but as I say, I mean, thank you so much for your time. Um, I thought it was great. I hope listeners felt it was uh, useful and interesting. And uh, I think with the amount of stuff we went through today, I have to try and get you on another episode, I think, for uh, another installment of this uh, fascinating chat. Well, yeah, I love talking about the industry, what's been going on. So, you know, if you need me to be uh, involved in anything, just let me know. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity to allow me to promote my business. Not at all. And the Modernity Group. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. If you haven't done so already, and you'd like to keep abreast of all the latest podcasts that will be here on an ongoing basis when they're released, and also catch up on any of the previous ones that you might have missed, 
please register your details at segmentify.com forward slash podcast and we'll be in touch as soon as they become available from the website and all the other usual channels. This has been Phil at Segmentify and you can catch me at phil at segmentify.com if you have any questions or of course if you'd like to be part of the show we're always really keen to uncover more of you great thought leaders out there. Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. Sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider. Set up and optimized by our team within a few days at segmentify.com demo.